0: Hey there, welcome to Shoot the Flick. I'm Frankie Sparks. And
1: I'm Scott Eisenberg.
0: And we are a married couple who like to shoot the shit about movies.
1: That we do, that we do.
0: And this week, we are concluding Music Month with a very interesting film that Scott has decided to show me. Scotty? Yes? What movie did we watch today?
1: Well, we decided to watch
0: scott pilgrim vs. the world released in 2010 based on a graphic novel we'll get to the details on that but seeing as how it's me and i'm the residential book nerd of shoot the flick i did read the book (laughs) so we'll discuss comparisons and whatnot as we go scotty why did you want to show me this particular film during music month
1: well scott pilgrim vs. the world was a Very fun movie directed by Edgar Wright that I saw when it came out. It is a weird movie that surprisingly is very star-studded.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of big names in here before they were big names, kind of, which is hilarious. But particularly why we wanted to include this in Music Month is that because this movie was filmed in Canada... It utilized a lot of Canadian musicians for the soundtrack, including Beck. Uh, do I know any other Canadian musicians? I don't. I feel like no one knows a lot of other Canadian musicians outside of Beck.
1: Rush. <laughs>
0: Rush. <laughs> I don't think there are any Rush songs in the movie. Though. No, there aren't. No. Um, but Radiohead producer Nigel Godrich did the score of this movie, and he also helped Edgar Wright scout out different bands to write songs for the film. And there are musical numbers in the movie to the point where Edgar Wright actually stated that the movie was done in the style of a musical, but instead of the characters breaking out into song and dance when they are feeling a particularly strong emotion, they instead break into a fucking fight.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's a very stylized movie. You can actually kind of tell it's an Edgar Wright movie because it is a little wacky, a little off the walls. He's kind of like our new Tarantino-esque with his musical choices.
0: Well, I don't think he's as dark and, you know, violent maybe as uh, Tarantino with his films. But I do understand the sentiment, yes, that a lot of care and thought is put into his musical choices. I mean, just look at Baby Driver, for example. That's a a great example of Edgar Wright's care and love for music in his films. But... um, I'll speak to the comparison between the novel and the movie. They're, I mean, pretty much exactly the same. When I was reading the graphic novel, I found it, I thought I was going to love this movie and love the novel because it's gotten so much hype over the years. Like, I've heard so much about Scott Pilgrim, I just never watched it. It was one of those movies that, was just constantly in the conversation. Oh, but you go, you got to see this movie, you got to see this movie. And I am a big Edgar Wright fan, so I did always want to see it. But when I read the book, it was, and it's the same thing in the movie, where, like, there really is no transition between the weird quirky things but also totally normal that happened in the movie and the fantastical, like, we're in a video game and it's just totally normal and accepted in society. What? This is this is life. This is normal. People explode into nothingness and coins fall out instead of blood and guts. That's, that's life, kids. And it's like, whoa, okay. Sometimes it worked in the novel and sometimes it didn't. And similarly, at least in my opinion, sometimes in the movie it works and sometimes it doesn't.
1: Okay, so... I knew from the get-go. You might have thought you would have liked this. I thought you were going to be wishy-washy with this movie from the very beginning.
0: You're a very astute gentleman, Scott.
1: Thank you. Uh, (laughs) Because this is one of those movies that is very weird. Yes. It is a weird movie. And I think you have to be willing to accept the weirdness and just kind of go with it it does have a lot of video game references to it
0: yes i knew i knew that much but i thought that they would it would be okay like i wouldn't like i would get over that i'm not a video game gal scotty's the video game man but i'm not a video game gal like i can't even play until dawn without fucking killing everybody
1: well that's kind of but, like, not,
0: like, uh, like accidentally. Like, I don't mean to ki- I'm not doing it for funsies. I try to keep everyone alive because I'm a decent person and I want people to live. But, like, I kill everybody every time I play Until Dawn. <laughs> and one time Scott got me to try to do um, the Disney one. What was it Kingdom Hearts? Yes. And I sucked. I, I, I can't do video games. That's, like, I have no hand-eye coordination. You were okay. Just, I mean... I mean, you basically had to like hold my hand and be like, "Okay, now do this, now do this, and do ter- press that button." I'm like, "I this is not, I can't." And now I'm just relegated to watching him when he plays like the like the fun ones, like the Spider-Man game. I've watched you play the Batman games. I've watched you play because those are like basically like watching a movie or something. Like at this point, there's so many like cool cutscenes and stuff. But other than that, video games are not my my bag. But through osmosis in pop culture. Like, I just thought this movie was, like, a quirky, fun little romp with, like, Michael Serra being, you know, his awkward self. And, like, I was like, oh, I'm sure I'll like that. You know, Super Bad wasn't terrible. I'm sure it'll be fine. <laughs> Juno was good. I'm sure it'll be fine. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I basically agree with Scott. I think, you know, there are good things about the movie and not so good things. But we'll we'll get to that.
1: This is Michael Serra at the time frame of his, his most Michael Serra-ness
0: yeah he was like hot shit at this time i think still
1: yeah he, he was as we mentioned this is a star studded cast you have michael sarah aubrey plaza anna kendrick chris evans like it's all brie larson brie larson you have a couple you.
0: marvel people in this movie <laughs> uh,
1: brandon ralph is in this oh, oh yeah
0: there's a lot of superheroes in this movie So let's get into some of the preliminary fun facts, shall we? As we mentioned, this film was directed, co-written, and co-produced by Edgar Wright, who has made a bunch of really uh, standout films in the last decade or so. He is obviously, as we mentioned, behind Baby Driver, the Cornetto Trilogy, which we all know and love. He most recently did Last Night in Soho, which I haven't seen yet. But uh, not that long after I think this comes out, it should be coming on HBO Max, so we will be watching it, I'm sure. Yes. But supposedly, Edgar Wright will be writing and directing a remake of the Running Man movie. Isn't that Arnold Schwarzenegger? That
1: is Arnold Schwarzenegger. What,
0: how do you feel about that? Because you've seen that, right?
1: Yes, I have seen Running Man. I feel Man. like that's on your list for It me. is on my list um, you. Oh, no. <laughs> for Edgar Wright, I actually think it's a great choice because it is a weird fucking thing. The fucking villain is... Uh what's his name from family feud um, family feud Yeah, the original family feud what's his name
0: <laughs> richard dawson yeah richard dawson
1: is the villain of the running man
0: <laughs> really yeah that's so, fantastic oh now i want to watch that yeah okay. it's
1: arnold schwarzenegger and richard dawson um
0: ew all right cool
1: <laughs> yeah
0: okay so and
1: jesse the body of ventura so it's a Oh,
0: well, we love that.
1: So I don't it... have time to bleed. Exactly. <laughs>
0: got it. Cool. Fun. Um, the movie's also co written by Michael Bacall, who is also helping Edgar Wright with the Running Man remake, but he was behind the 21 and 22 Jump Street films.
1: Good movies. Which
0: were good movies. Fun fact actually, when Scott and I first got back together as grown ups, for those of you who don't know, we dated in like middle school, high school. When we got back together, he was like, oh, I got to show you this movie. It's called 21 Jump Street. And I had heard of it. And I was like, I'm not watching that fucking stupid ass movie. It looks it looks so stupid. I don't watch it. And eventually he got me to sit down and watch it. I'm like, okay, you were right. That was really funny. <laughs> that was good. Good job. <laughs> a broken clock is right twice a day.
1: I'm yeah. right more than twice a day. Oh, Thank you no. very
0: much. no. <laughs> But again, as I also mentioned, this movie is based on the graphic novels by Canadian author and artist Brian Lee O'Malley. There were six volumes of the graphic novel that came out between 2004 and 2010. And uh, we're going to get a little more into the novel later because there are some alternate ending situations going on towards the end of the movie that had a lot to do with the release of the last Scott Pilgrim book. So it's it's a whole hot ass mess, but we're going to get to it.
1: Also, I think there's a video game now.
0: Well, there is there was a video game released along with the movie.
1: Ah, okay.
0: But uh, it was delisted in 2014 due to the licenses running out. But then I think it got re-released in 2021 in honor of the film's 10th anniversary and I think there's also an anime television show in development for Netflix because why not Netflix is just buying everything and being like we're gonna make a series about it (laughs) well again
1: this is one of those movies that is very cult now Yes, because it did not do well no
0: it flopped it flopped hard there was a budget of 85 million dollars which makes sense because the graphics and special effects in this movie are like everywhere and anywhere but the worldwide gross was only 49 million dollars so it didn't even kind of make its budget back however it does have a pretty favorable rotten tomatoes rating in the 80s so eventually it did come around and become kind of a cult classic in that sense
1: so are we ready to get into this nitty-gritty or you got any more
0: uh no no more preliminary fun facts
1: okay so let's get into scott pilgrim vs. the world i will say though
0: One last thing before we start. I do think I liked the movie more than the book, which I feel like is a rarity just in general in life. Usually the book is always better than the movie. I think in this case I liked the movie better than the book because it was easier for me to get into the fuckery of the film, which we'll fucking get to because it's literally all over it. The whole movie is just fuckery, (laughs) but not necessarily in a bad way, but you know what I'm saying. Anyway, let's get into this thing.
1: (laughs) So we start out with we meet... Our main hero, Scott Pilgrim.
0: Played by Michael Serra.
1: And he is 22 years old.
0: Yeah. Uh, fun fact, the studio wanted Seth Rogen in the part, but uh, Edgar Wright pushed hard for Cera based on his performance in the hit show Arrested Development. Makes which, sense. Which, yeah, totally makes sense. If you've seen that show, it totally makes sense. But... Here, Here's the thing <laughs> guys it starts off in a weird place. So in the book <laughs> it pretty much immediately establishes in like the first page pretty much that Scott Pilgrim is a 22 year old man that has just begun dating a 17 year old high school student named Knives Chow and why is she named knives we don't know it doesn't matter the point is he's 22 and she's 17 a very immature 17 at that so I said to Scott after I finished the book I'm like did they establish in the movie that he's a grown man dating a 17 year old girl and I mean granted like he doesn't do anything like sexual with her in the book or in the movie like I think they do they even kiss in the movie
1: no, they never kiss. They only say they've held they like hands. hold hands.
0: So I mean, it's not the worst thing in the world, but it doesn't feel a hundred percent kosher. Let's just put it that way. And I said to Scott, "Do they even address that at all?" And he's like, "Oh, I don't remember." And literally, the first two seconds of the movie, that's the first thing they
1: say. Oh, by the way, uh, Scott
0: Pilgrim is twenty-two and he's dating a seventeen-year-old. I'm like, oh, okay.
1: They actually, they do kiss in the movie. She does kiss him.
0: Oh, she kisses him on the on the cheek though I know yeah I think so at the end of the movie but like by then she's at least a little more mature she kind of has a coming of age arc throughout the movie kind of so it's it's it again it's not the worst thing ever you know it's not like he's in his 30s but like it's still like yeah, we, eh, yeah. you get a little eh feeling and considering that Scott Pilgrim will soon find out is kind of a douchebag <laughs> he's like not a. that's the thing that's annoying too is like you, you can't connect with Scott Pilgrim at all as a fucking character at least in the beginning because he's such a fucking asshole and a fucking idiot <laughs> but we're supposed to be endeared by him because he's played by Michael Sarah and oh he's just so awkward it's like Mm, I don't know about that
1: <laughs> well he's definitely awkward but uh yes I think this is why they chose Michael Sarah and I think why it makes sense is Scott doesn't realize he's an idiot Scott doesn't kind of realize anything outside of himself
0: yeah that's true
1: and Michael Cera plays that very well
0: yeah and I will say that like they, they build it up throughout the movie like he has some like character growth but like throughout the meat of the movie, I can't point to one specific instance where he shows, like, character growth, but yet somehow at the end when he clearly is presenting character growth, I buy it. I don't know. He's got a... This movie is weird in that way where, like, it kind of sucks you in and then you're at the end of the movie and you're like, wait, what just happened? (laughs) Was this a real movie?
1: Well, I think that's the point is, like, yeah, Scott is this kind of immature (laughs) idiot. Throughout the entire movie. And it is just really at the very end where he kind of realizes, oh, shit, I am a fucking idiot. I think that's the point. Like, you're supposed to be like, dude, you got to grow up. Because every every other character, literally every other character in the movie points out how much of an idiot he is. There is not one other character that goes, oh, yeah, Scott, this is okay. No, they all go, Scott, you need to fucking, like, grow up, you fucking moron. Yeah. So, uh, yes, Scott's dating a 17-year-old girl named Knives, played by Ellen Wong. Uh, We meet his bandmates.
0: Stephen Stills. Yes. Played by Mark Webber. We have Kim Pine, who is also a high school ex-girlfriend of Scott's, played by Allison Pill.
1: Who might steal this entire movie, to be honest. And
0: she's great. I would say... uh, another character kind of steals the show that's very
1: true but she's very good which we'll get
0: to but yeah kim pine is played by allison pill who is maggie in the newsroom if you don't know that show it's fucking amazing she's also in the new picard show i don't know where that's playing but it's somewhere i think she's the villain i don't know but i love her she's great
1: and they form the band sex bomb
0: we are sex ba-bomb and we're here to make you think about
1: death and get sad and stuff and uh sex bomb Is like a punk rock garage band. Yeah. They
0: make a thing throughout the whole movie that they suck. Like everyone, including people in the band, say how much they suck. But it's like they do a performance later on in the movie of like a full song called Garbage Truck. And it's like a fun kind of grungy song that actually is very it's nice I like that song and I was like you guys don't suck I mean you know you can put a tune together so you decide
1: you know you wanna oh my God suck we meet Scott's roommate. Wallace.
0: This is the guy. This is the motherfucker that steals the movie. Wallace Wells. He was my favorite in the book too to be fair, but he's played by Kieran Culkin, brother to Macaulay Culkin. He's currently on that TV show that everyone's talking about Succession. I feel like everyone's talking about it, but no one's actually watched it.
1: <laughs> you know what I mean? It's that kind of thing. Yeah, didn't win like a bunch of Emmys too.
0: Yeah. Wallace Wells is like the sarcastic gay very gay (laughs) funny guy in the movie like he has so many great moments and lines in this movie
1: and it's at a time where i feel like gay representation in movies was not the greatest yet
0: well yeah i mean he's not like a foppish like super effeminate guy he's just a normal guy that happens to like dudes
1: yeah, he just happens to like dudes and happens to be very dry and straightforward.
0: Yes. We love that for him. <laughs> it's My favorite kind of person.
1: <laughs> my favorite thing is Wallace always, when Scott comes in and says something like, oh yeah, 17 he immediately texts uh, Scott's sister, who ah, is yes. played by Anna Kendrick.
0: Yes. This was pretty early in her career, around her like Twilight days. She had just been nominated for uh, Up in the Air. So this was still pretty early in her career and you can tell she looks so young she's got a little baby face in this movie
1: (laughs) she's another one she's fucking hilarious in this role
0: well yeah because she's constantly calling out her brother for being a fucking idiot
1: (laughs) but uh yeah the other thing we haven't brought up yet is during a bunch of these scenes they'll like randomly pop like little things towards the side or as they're playing like lightning will come out from uh the band.
0: Because it's a comic book. I mean, so, that's how it was in the novel, too. In the graphic novel.
1: Exactly. So that's kind of just a little thing, like, just to kind of introduce you into the wackiness of this world. So, yes, we get a day in the life of a relationship between Knives and Scott. They go play Ninja DDR, walk around the record store. We meet Aubrey Plaza.
0: Oh, yeah. Julia Powers, played by Aubrey Plaza, who is just like... She's that bitch around town where she knows everybody and she knows everything and she hates Scott. Oh, <laughs> which yeah. she's great.
1: <laughs> and when she curses, a black bar comes across her mouth.
0: So, what can I get f- you? Is there anywhere you don't work? They're called jobs. Something a f ball like you wouldn't know anything about. And by the way, I can't f*** believe you asked Ramona after I specifically told you not to f*** do that. How are you doing that with your mouth? Never f- mind how I'm doing it. I love Aubrey Plaza. I feel like if, if there were ever to be a movie made about our lives. Aubrey Plaza should play me. <laughs> I feel like that is the most appropriate.
1: <laughs> yeah, definitely would work. So we do also find out with this introduction to Julie that Scott dated uh, Envy Adams, who's the big rock star from the town who like went on to become famous. And Scott dated her before she was famous.
0: But she dumped him.
1: Yeah. And Scott is still hung up about it. But then Scott sees Ramona.
0: In his dream, though. Yes, that's that's weird, too. Like, the whole, like, dream world thing. It was kind of confusing in the book, too. But he just, like, has a dream and Ramona is there before he ever meets her. And then he meets her in real life while he's out with Knives, with mind you. And then he just immediately becomes obsessed with her. And, like, he thinks she's the girl of his dreams because she has pink hair? Like, I don't know, like, what the appeal... I mean, I would assume the pink hair is attention drawing. But other than that, like, you don't know this person. Whatever. Ramona Flowers, who is the main squeeze of the movie, is played by Mary Elizabeth Winstead, who we know from a million things now, 10 Cloverfield Lane, Gemini Man. She was Huntress in Birds of Prey.
1: I always subscribe the dream thing to... If you think about this, like, logically, maybe she's going around town and Scott may have not seen her but seen her running around delivering packages and then she invaded his dream and then he got obsessed. You never know whose face, like, will penetrate your mind somewhere.
0: I don't know. I mean, that that might be true. But honestly, like, it, it's just one of many instances where, like, the transition between reality... And fuckery is very blurred, which, again, isn't always a bad thing, especially in the beginning. It's a little jarring. Once you kind of get into the movie, you kind of forget and it just becomes, you know, a natural part of the the deal. But at least for me, it took me a while to, like, get into it.
1: Yeah, so uh, he sees Ramona at the library after seeing her in his dream. And uh, immediately he's like, I have to find this woman but we must go to Julie's birthday party first and Ramona's there and Scott is very bad at flirting.
0: Oh yeah well you know because he's Michael Sarah, isn't he awkward that automatically makes him charming even though every other aspect of his personality is shit. (laughs) We must root for him because oh he's so awkward in front of pretty girl. Hey you know Pac-Man? I
1: know of him. Well Pac-Man was originally called Pac-Man, uh, not because Pac-Man looks like a hockey puck. Paku-paku means flap your mouth, and that they were f- worried people would change, scratch out the P, turn it into an F. Like, yeah, that's amazing.
0: At one point, Kim says something to Scott, and it was just ringing in my head the whole movie. Like, she literally said, "If your life had a face, I would punch it." Which is, like, the best line ever. Like, I love that fucking line. And it's just, like, it sucks because Kim is so underrated and, like, clearly brushed to the side throughout the whole movie. And she kind of is in the novel, too. But at least in the novel, like, they give her a moment to, like, acknowledge the fact that, like, she's very aware who Scott is because she used to date him. <laughs> and, like, they have, like, a moment where they kind of acknowledge their relationship. It, like, literally at the end of the movie, he just looks at her and says, I'm sorry for everything, and then she smiles, and it's like, oh, okay, I guess they're cool now. (laughs) Like, any trauma that he inflicted upon her that we haven't discussed this whole time is magically gone now because he said Sally.
1: (laughs) Well, because you look at it this way, Ramona brings it up occasionally that there's always a dumpy and a dumper, and a dumpy always takes the brunt of it. Julie even brings it up later that Scott has left a line of women behind him And does not realize he has done it because that's just who Scott is. Scott is very self involved and doesn't realize that Kim, uh, Julia, I think mentions like three other girls. He's like, well, that was something that, you know, and then eventually, you know, knives too. So that's kind of like we get it and like Scott's not necessarily. He's not
0: a good person. No,
1: he is not a good person. Let's just
0: call a spade a spade. Let's call a dick a dick. He's not a good person.
1: You know, not all Scots are like that, dear. You know. Oh,
0: okay. It's... Whatever you say, sir. I, I'm still... The jury's still out over here. I don't know. You
1: know. <laughs> oh, yeah. The jury's still out?
0: Yeah. I only married you for your millions.
1: Oh, yes. My millions that I don't have. <laughs> um, So, Scott, he's like, I have to order a package from Amazon.
0: So that Ramona can come to my door and I can creep on her a little bit.
1: <laughs> yes. Yeah, so you. So, he orders a package and... Eventually Ramona's there. And uh he's like, Hey, do you remember me? And she goes, No
0: (laughs) So they kind of awkwardly flirt, sorta kinda a little bit, and then he asks her out and she's like, If you sign for this fucking package, I will go out with you but can we just like get this over with, please? (laughs) Which is a ring endorsement for going on a date with someone. And then next scene they're going out on a little date question mark.
1: She, she came to see his band play the first battle of the bands
0: ah uh, yes at a club venue whatever called the rocket and it has like a little title card underneath which i found funny it says the rocket fun fact this place is a toilet and i was like ah, they have their own fun facts too
1: <laughs> yes they play their song garbage truck uh which knives really loves and
0: Knives literally passes out like a fucking beanomania fan or something Uh, which is okay because uh, you know Ramona and Knives are in the same venue so obviously Scott is freaking out so when the 17 year old girl passes out it's a a great relief to Scott which is (laughs) okay and then they're playing and then all of a sudden this is where like the movie I guess really starts the fuckery of the movie
1: oh yeah we uh, meet Matthew Patel who is the first fight of the League mm-hmm. of Evil X's.
0: Yeah, yeah. What What is that, you may ask? Well, um, nobody knows because there's literally... Th- this is what I don't understand. This is where fuckery happens. So this guy comes in, Matthew Patel, right? And he looks like fucking Pete Wentz. Heavy eye makeup, swoopy haircut. And he's like, I'm going to do a rock Bollywood number because that's a thing that exists. And I'm going <laughs> to... A fucking dramatically have this fight with you Scott Pilgrim because I dated Ramona in 7th grade for like a week so there haha and it's just accepted that this is a thing no one is like what is going on here who are you what is this what's happening why do you explode after uh, Scott defeats you and coins fall to the ground what is this why are you flying sir like none of this is addressed
1: Uh, Wallace even asks if he's a pirate.
0: Oh, yeah, that was funny.
1: (laughs) It's just, it's just, it's a weird scene, but it's a funny (laughs) scene. It's like, oh, okay, and it's done. It's like, it's
0: all just accepted as normalcy. And then Ramona and Scott leave and she's, she makes like, she's going to explain to him what the fuck is happening. And she's just like, oh, well, in order to date me, you have to defeat my seven evil exes or something like that. And Scott's like, oh, okay, cool. Can we make out now? Because we're dating. And that's his response. And then the next scene happens. And it's like, wait, um, you didn't think to maybe ask, like, why? Because he's he's been with other women before. He's had other girlfriends. So he knows that this is not the norm. He knows that it, normally when you date a person, you don't have to fight their ex-boyfriends and, spoiler alert, girlfriends. So why why are you not asking why this is a thing? Why do you hot ha- have more questions, Scott?
1: Because Scott's an idiot.
0: Yeah, we're on the fucking crazy carousel, as I like to call it. But it, it, here's the thing. At this point, we still have to establish that Scott is a horrible person, right? So he's like, well, I'm still technically dating Nyes, but I'm just avoiding her because I don't want to break up with her. And I'm also seeing Ramona because I like girl with pretty bright hair even though I just had to fight and possibly kill a, another person. It's not clear if the guy is dead. We don't know. Coins fell out of his body, but we don't know what happened. Anyway, they have a rehearsal and Ramona comes over. She comes over and her hair is a different color. I believe it's blue yes. now. And She's like, "Oh, I change my hair color every week and a half, like, haha, get used to it, cheeky, you know, oh, how fresh is. She's so wacky. And Scott goes <laughs> off to the side, I think with Wallace or yes. one of his friends, and he's like, "Oh, I don't know about this. She's fickle and impulsive. Oh, it's like a red flag. Are you fucking kidding me, sir? Sir, Sir. Well, are you kidding me, Bethany? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? What are you talking about? She's fickle and impulsive. Ooh, oh no. Meanwhile, you're totally fine with beating the shit out of people in order to make out with her, and you're totally fine with stringing along a 17 year old girl in order to date her. Well, I'm confused.
1: Well, Wallace does eventually go, dude. You gotta break up with knives. Yes, he tells and him he, that, which he, is nice. <laughs> and he does do it, but he gets over it very quickly. Shocking. In this next couple of scenes, we do find out the band that uh, Envy plays for is called Clash of Demon Head is coming to town, <gasps> and also... Lucas Lee is coming to town.
0: Who is Lucas Lee, you might ask. Well, he's some fancy schmancy actor filming a movie. And Wallace wants his dick, which is fair because he's played by Chris Evans.
1: <laughs> God, Chris Evans.
0: <laughs> and mind you, he this was before he became Captain America. He became Captain America literally a year after this. And uh, fun fact, there were other people considered for the role of Lucas Lee. Rob Pattinson was considered, which would have been funny given Twilight. Because Twilight was still a thing at that time. It was still pretty fresh from Twilight days. But also, Sebastian Stan was considered Ah. Bucky Barnes, which is kind of funny. But um, yeah, it's kind of great seeing him in this.
1: It is. He is very funny. So during this date with Ramona, Scott kind of panics and goes, "Uh, let's go. Uh, Let's go like just out. (laughs) oh because she mentions his hair
0: is a little scraggly and that triggers him because after envy broke up with him way back when he got like a shitty haircut or something and he hasn't cut his hair since so he literally looks like he's wearing a fucking ficus on his head of hair so yeah it triggers him and he puts a hat on he's very holding Caulfield. he just puts a fucking hat on because he doesn't want to grow up man okay
1: after all of this, they go out and meet Wallace where Lucas Lee is shooting his movie. Lucas Lee breaks character and goes, Scott Pilgrim, I'm going to beat you up. Oh, no. And it's always funny because every time like one of the evil exes kind of gets introduced, Ramona goes, oh, no. <laughs> and Scott's like, what? Oh, God, not another one. Oh, my
0: God. It's funny, too, because especially in this scene where he's fighting Chris Evans and like his many much stunt doubles it's so funny because it's very 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 very, very obvious when it's not michael Sarah and it's a stunt person which it's so obvious that i feel like it has to be purposeful yeah because <laughs> the stunt guy is like clearly a lot more jacked than michael Sarah. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's, it's a fun fight scene to the point where Chris Evans is like, oh, shit, man, I, I didn't know. And he goes to help Scott up and sees, and then he just punches him back down. He's like, oh, and then Scott's like, I bet you can't do a thingy on that rail over there. Oh, yeah, cause
0: he's a skateboarder, man. And he's so cool.
1: There's girls watching. And that's Chris, Chris Evans' trigger to try yeah, and do I this grind so. on the icy rail.
0: It's It clearly, it, they play the scene like a fucking like, Tony Hawk game or something. Like, that's exactly, yeah. yes. And it's fine. And then he blows up at the end and he's like, oh, yeah. Oh, man, I didn't get his autograph. Oh, well. And that's the end of the scene.
1: <laughs> Ramona does leave. Scott's trying to call her and she's not answering. But he does get a call from Envy.
0: Who's played by Brie Larson. And she's doing like the weirdest... Like baby girl voice And I hate it It's so creepy sounding
1: And she just kind of Plays with his head a bit Yeah This leads to Sex bob is now opening For Envy
0: Yeah at this show We get the song Black Sheep Which I think for a lot of people From what I read It's like the favorite song of For a lot of people It was actually sang By Brie Larson in the movie Hello again But uh, yeah, it's called Black Sheep. It's a pretty good song, despite the fact that Brie Larson is kind of doing the baby voice thing. But it's still a good song.
1: Yeah, it's great because they keep cutting back and forth to, like, Todd, the bass player. Oh, Todd. And Todd is played by Brandon Ralph.
0: Yes. A whole four years after his tenure as Superman in the Superman Returns movie. As much as I...
1: Didn't like that movie when it came out. and I haven't seen it since.
0: I've never seen it, so.
1: I can't really blame Brandon Ralph for the movie. And now that I remember that Kevin Spacey's Lex Luthor in the movie, I really don't want to go back and watch it. Ew. <laughs> but uh, also, we find out that Knives has dyed half her hair blue.
0: Ah, uh, yes. She's having a little teenage crisis now that she's been broken up with, and she's jealous of uh, Ramona and... Yada, 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 you know. So she dyes her hair blue and tries to be rebellious and cool like Ramona.
1: So they are asked to come backstage to talk to Envy and Todd.
0: Oh, yes. It's a very lovely yet awkward conversation.
1: Oh, it is Todd's making fun of Vancouver.
0: Well, Todd is also a vegan.
1: Todd is a vegan, yes. And
0: they make it... What I forgot about actually in the book, they do it in the book too, but they make veganism like his superpower and it makes him not only act like a weirdo,
1: but also have like superpowers. Also, it makes him better than everybody else.
0: Mind you, I didn't even mention that. All these super fucking ex-boyfriends have superpowers. They all have superpowers. Yes. The fucking first guy was flying around. Fucking Lucas Lee was super strong. This guy, Todd, has vegan superpowers, which I don't understand how that works, just logically, but it's fine, whatever. The point is everybody's got superpowers (laughs) in this world that nobody has superpowers, but just these magical people have superpowers, and that's... It's fine.
1: Well, I think ra- not addressed ever. Well, I think Ramona can transport dimensions technically. Yes,
0: that's in the book too. Yeah.
1: Um, and he's beating the living hell out of Scott.
0: Right, but then Scott defeats him by making him drink actual milk, and then
1: and then the vegan police show the ve- up.
0: Yes, the vegan police show up, which was funny because. Who's that guy? Thomas Thomas Jane. Jane. Thomas Jane shows up. And I'm like, that's a person. Who is that?
1: (laughs) He was the first punisher.
0: That was so weird. I'm like, I know that guy.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I honestly think Thomas Jane is kind of underrated as an actor. So the vegan police show up. And uh,
0: and they, like, destroy him, which is how Scott wins. And then as they're leaving, Thomas Shane and the other vegan police officer, are like, yeah, like, do a high five and run away.
1: It's so funny. It's, like,
0: out of a fucking, like, comedy sketch or
1: something. Well, it's hysterical because they're like, this is your third strike. You knowingly ingested gelato. He goes, gelato's not vegan. It's milk and eggs, bitch.
0: <laughs> oh, my God. But, like, their their battle was actually fun because they did the bass battle at the yeah. point they're both doing like bass stuff and it's cool and then todd punches knives in the face <laughs> and knocks the highlights
1: out of her hair you punched the highlights out of her hair he punched the highlights out of her hair you are incorrigible i don't know the meaning of the word
0: okay can we address the fact that this grown man just punched a 17 year old girl in the face Okay, let's not do that. And then Scott is like, you cocky cock. And then (laughs) fucking starts the fight. Uh, That one was was at least... Because the the Lucas Lee fight was fun, but I feel like it was too short. I was like, I wanted it to even be longer. And like for Chris Evans to have more things to do. I feel like his character was just like meathead Hollywood guy. And he didn't really have as many like fun little punchy lines or anything.
1: Well, he was probably on set for like...
0: Probably a day I would imagine Maybe two Maybe two Yeah exactly But like Todd Todd at least had like Some more quirks to him It was funny
1: (laughs) Well because we have Seven evil exes We kind of got to keep Moving on Yeah
0: that's fair That's fair
1: So they go out After this fight Scott's clearly being like Fuck man Like this is Way too much At this point He's freaking out And uh Ramona's Fourth evil ex Shows up Ah yes
0: Roxy played by Mae Whitman who obviously voiced Katara in Avatar The Last Airbender and she also played Anne in Arrested Development which was Michael Sarah's girlfriend in that show which is kind of funny but uh yeah like multiple times Scott says like oh I have to fight all your evil ex-boyfriends and Ramona will correct him and say exes after a few times he's like why do you keep saying that and all of a sudden Roxy comes in and is like bitch I'm here <laughs> And what's weird about it also is that despite the fact that they have alluded to both violence against women by Todd punching knives in the face and like sort of inappropriate relationship with an underage girl, they for some reason decide to draw the line at a man physically battling with a girl because they, they make a point and they also do so in the novel of like not Making Scott directly fight Roxy, yes, because he can't hit a girl. But meanwhile, two seconds ago, you just had
1: Todd punch her in the face, well, punch, punch knives in the face. Well, he does accidentally punch her in the boob earlier on, yeah, he but he doesn't does. realize she's a woman at that point, right?
0: That's fair. I mean, that's not you know, it's that was more played for like you punched me in the boob, that's like more of a laugh, like that's fine, but they purposely in this battle scene they have ramona first fight roxy then roxy's like i need to fight scott pilgrim meh. so roxy literally like a fucking uh fucking improv sketch grabs his arms and like
1: yes, ramona th- fights yeah.
0: for him like as scott and it's like okay i i understand the impulse to like i appreciate the impulse even to not have Scott directly punching this girl in the face mind you she's clearly there to fight this person like in a battle setting but like even so considering how this movie has treated young women thus far I wouldn't think that like this is where you're gonna draw the line but okay
1: (laughs) well we gotta look at it this way when you look at it through Scott's eyes yes the dating of the 17 year old gets ripped apart by every other character in the movie so we all know that's bad. Todd is part of the evil exes. So Todd hitting knives, he's evil. We've already established that by calling them evil exes. Right. Uh, you know, so it's easier for me to understand them drawing the line here. But then the fight ends with Scott poking her knee.
0: Oh, my God. Okay. Can we? Okay. 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 Um I don't remember if this is particularly how the fight ended in the book like specifically like this but maybe it did and I just missed it but like in this movie it is very clear <laughs> that Roxy like arrives to death <laughs> she arrives to death I don't want to say the word but you know what say I'm it. saying say it no Scott I'm a lady <laughs> The point is, it's gross and it's uncomfy. And it's like, okay, we just made a whole song and dance about, oh, we can't have Scott, the man, fighting the woman, Roxy, but we can have him poking the inside of her knee to make her arrive to death. She arrives and then explodes, like literally explodes. And that's that's the end of the scene.
1: So she, what, what'd she do? Stop.
0: What? I'm not saying it it's so weird and gross and uncomfortable to watch there's lots of moaning going on I don't listen like whatever your kink is like you do you boo boo but like I don't I, like I just felt I felt like I was intruding on something that I didn't need to see just saying
1: so Ramona breaks up with Scott saying you're just another evil ex to be this causes Scott to kind of have a moment. He's upset, but the band must fight in the next battle of the bands against the Katanagi twins, who both dated Ramona. And this is a DJ Double Dragon reference, where they create giant dragons that attack Sex bob and Sex bob creates a giant gorilla that kills the dragons. But who's in the audience of this show? Ramona is there with green hair now. And she's talking to
0: Gideon. Yes. Uh, Gideon Graves, who throughout the movie is referenced multiple times. as like this big wig record producer. But uh, we find out around this time that he's also Ramona's ex-boyfriend. It definitely hits different because earlier on in the movie like Ramona and Scott have a conversation where he's like is there any boyfriend that you haven't dumped and she's like I pretty much should have done all the dumping but in this particular situation it, it feels different it feels like he definitely has a hold on Ramona Gideon yes. so He's played by Jason Schwartzman, who we have talked about before on the show because he's quite the Wes Anderson staple. We talked about the movie Moonrise Kingdom not that long ago, and he was in that movie. He was. And um, yeah, he just plays a douchebag in this movie like most of the other characters. There's not a lot of non-douchebaggy
1: characters. No, a lot of the characters are kind of douchey.
0: Scott basically confesses his love to Ramona, and she proceeds to dump his ass. Well, he,
1: he confesses his lesbian.
0: <laughs> oh, God. Well, you know, we can't, we can't all be perfect, Scott, okay? I know you play mysterious and aloof just to avoid getting hurt, and I know you
1: have reasons for not wanting to talk about your past, and I want you to know I don't care about any of that stuff, because I'm in lesbians with you.
0: What? Wallace basically tells him like you know if you really love this girl you gotta fight for her
1: and just to backpedal a little bit yes wallace does give him this whole rah-rah speech but also sex Babom has dropped scott and signed with gideon oh yeah <laughs> so scott has lost everyone
0: we proceed to play this really sad ramona song which earlier was performed a, a little bit by michael Sarah, but then they after the breakup play like a longer version of it performed by beck which was cute But then Scott's like pissed off and he's out for blood,
1: so. He must go to the new club that Gideon has opened up and go fight Gideon. He also grabbed a one life after. a one up after. ...beating the Katanaki twins... ...that will come back later... ...ah... ...so Scott goes there... ...and fights Gideon... ...and he gains the power of love... ...because he's fighting for... ...Ramona... ...the
0: power of love...
1: ...exactly... ...Gideon clearly has the upper hand... ...but... ...Knives comes out of nowhere... ...and saves Scott from being killed at first... ...but she's like... ...I must fight Ramona... Because she took my man.
0: Oh, yeah, that was a whole thing. But like, what is nice in this whole fight? It, it ends up kind of being Scott versus Gideon and Ramona versus Knives. And then Scott kind of swats Gideon away at some point, And like he focuses on the girls and trying to like make peace with them. And he eventually confesses that he cheated on both of them, kind of with each other and, like, you know, th- this is the point in the movie where we're supposed to believe that Scott has magically become a decent person.
1: <laughs> he gets stabbed in the back by Gideon and dies. And he's transported back to the desert world, which we only saw previously in his dreams. And Ramona comes and basically hand-feeds him the lesson of, like, dude, you got to believe in yourself a little more. No one's going to want to be with you if you're, like, a- constant shithead about yourself it's good
0: to fight for for love you know obviously but it's more important to fight for yourself you can't really fight for anybody else if you can't or won't fight for yourself so that's a good
1: message so finally we rewind because he gets the one up to start over he fights his way into the club and he's like we're gonna fight Gideon because I want to fight you and he gains the power of self-respect and then Kim goes we're here to see Scott Pilgrim kick some ass. Let's go. And then they go into the fight again. Yeah. But this time Scott has the upper hand. He again confesses to Knives and Ramona that it's his fault. He's an asshole. He's sorry. And immediately they forgive him, and Knives is helping him
0: defeat Gideon. Ramona's fighting him off too, and they're working together, and everything's fine. It's like, I don't hate this ending. It's a good thought process behind it it's good message behind it i guess i just feel like it all kind of evolved pretty quickly it did (laughs) scott's whole personality just magically is supposed to be different now not you scott shut up up. (laughs) but you know what i'm saying like scott's whole personality is just supposed to magically be different now and i don't i don't know if he earned that Necessarily,
1: he, he might have not earned that, but he did technically die to learn the lesson.
0: I, I get what you're saying. I'm not saying, uh, again, I, I, you know, I'm on the fence about it. Let's put it that way. I'm on the fence.
1: But yeah, they beat Gideon. And uh, there's one last thing. There's Scott, but that kind of goes nowhere. It's yeah, that really was so important.
0: weird. I remember Scott. I think, being in the book, I believe. But I, I don't remember if anything really came out of that either. So maybe that was just in the book also kind of something meant for yucks. But yeah, it, it was just like a quick like little joke, I guess, that kind of fell flat. But whatever. Anyway, at the end of the movie, Scott and Ramona get together and they run off into the sunset together and everything's hunky-dory um so here's here's my thing with the ending there was an alternate situation The reason being is that they filmed the ending before the last book came out the last scott pilgrim book in the original ending ramona decided to leave on her own and explore what she's like without a boyfriend and scott and knives actually get back together which also i wouldn't say is a perfect ending because even though scott and knives have both evolved and grown up a little bit it's still not really the base, they still don't really have a basis for like a real like fucking relationship let's be real but then again neither do scott and ramona i think but i do like the idea a lot that ramona leaves on her own to f- like just be by herself because it's clear that this girl has gone through a lot of relationships and never really been single which also isn't the healthiest thing to do either. So I feel like that was good. And the idea of Scott and Ives getting back together at this point after they have kind of both grown up and matured a little bit isn't the worst idea despite the age difference, well, right?
1: Yeah, that's not that's despite the age difference. Also, earlier on in the movie, he calls Envy by her original name Oh Natalie. Natalie, yeah. and she's like, No one's called me that in a while He goes, Maybe they should Yeah. And she kinda has a moment so could that have come back somewhere here?
0: Yeah, I don't know. Maybe for the movie, it's Could it's you, hard because A, you, there are a lot of characters in the movie, and B, I don't feel like Michael Sarah really has any chemistry with any of the love interests in this movie. No, he doesn't. He has a little bit maybe with Mary Elizabeth Winstead, but even that is like I, I a think, stretch.
1: I don't think Scott's meant to be with anybody in this movie, to be honest.
0: I Yeah, I would say that's true, too.
1: I think the Scott character, yes, while he's infatuated with Ramona mm-hmm. and he likes knives as a friend. Yeah. I think if you were to continue all these relationships down the line,
0: they'd fall apart. They'd fall they fall apart. Yeah, they're not, you know, they're not based on anything deep or anything, you know what I mean? But the reason that that original ending kind of didn't happen is because after the last Scott Pilgrim book came out with Scott and Ramona getting together at the end, test audiences saw that original ending of the movie and were like pissed off so they filmed a new ending to match the book in which after Ramona basically remarks that oh Scott and Knives you make a good couple you make a good team and walks away Knives turns to Michael Sarah, and says you bet, you better go get her and he goes and gets her and then they again him and Ramona walk off into the sunset which isn't like a, a bad ending. I wouldn't say it's a bad ending of the movie, but I would just say, in some ways, it really does kind of undercut the whole like, oh, you don't need to fight for love. You need to fight for yourself and self respect and the, you know all that. Like I yeah, it does I, undercut that a little. But- I feel like the the point of that big fight scene was saying like, oh, you know you can't love someone else until you love yourself, which isn't, that's very true. You know what I mean? So I
1: feel like in a way it kind of undercut that. It does. It it does undercut that a bit. As an audience member, because he did have this whole big fight, he fought seven people, for technically, Ramona. Mm -hmm. For him to end up with knives would seem weird. And because everyone also badmouthed their relationship the whole time, I agree. Also, would be weird. I
0: agree. I think he. I think they both should have went their separate ways. Knife should have went her separate way, and they all, you know, be great friends, and that's it.
1: And maybe <laughs> you have a sequel later on and maybe we can explore that another time.
0: Maybe, but yeah, it just, you know, it, it would have been okay, I feel like, if nobody got together at the end. But, you know, Hollywood, fuckery, People must end
1: up together. Right,
0: it's got to be a happy ending where people always, you know, end up in a couple. And, like, it is what it is. But I just feel like that would have been a stronger ending if they all went their separate ways and were stronger for it.
1: That screams to me if, like, the studio was like, hey, oh, yeah, we I'm need sure. to do this this way.
0: Yeah, but that's... It's Scott Pilgrim versus
1: the world. It is. I still think this is a fun movie. It was fun. It's fun. It's actually kind of crazy going back and watching it and seeing how much star power is in this movie.
0: Yes. I think my opinion of the movie is, like I said, very similar to the one I had the book, which is like it's very bright and colorful and fun but it it doesn't have a whole lot of depth to it. It kind of just relies a lot on the fuckery of it, which isn't bad necessarily, but it you know, it's it's hit or miss.
1: Yeah, if you if you read deeper into it, yeah, there's not a whole lot behind everything, but it is a very stylized movie. Yeah. It is kind of meant to just draw you into the style and the craziness of this world and you're supposed to kind of just go through it and just kind of enjoy just being in the world for a little bit and then you're done.
0: But yeah, I will say that like I, I got into the movie, I think, more than I got into the book. I think the movie did a, a better job at kind of sucking me into the world. But that might just be a personal preference for me. Like, other people might have felt the opposite way with the novel and that's that's fine. I think it's more of a personal preference in that regard.
1: What did you rate Scott Pilgrim vs. The World, dear?
0: I gave it a a 3.5 out of 5 stars.
1: Not a bad score, not a bad... I have it at 4 out of 5. Yeah, so that was Scott Pilgrim vs. The World.
0: Now, next week, we will be going back to our MCU monthly series. Ah. The new Thor movie will be coming out soon, so we are going to discuss Thor Ragnarok with our special guest, who we will reveal... Next week.
1: Yes, indeed. Very
0: excited to talk to him.
1: Yes, it should be quite a good time.
0: But until then, this has been Shoot the Flick. I'm Frankie Sparks.
1: And I'm Scott Eisenberg.
0: Make sure you check us out on Instagram and Twitter at Shoot the Flick and check out our weekly episodes every single Wednesday on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and iHeartRadio and pretty much anywhere else you can find a podcast. And make sure you come back next week for our thunderous muscle-bound movie adventure. Uh,
1: So Frankie, I have seven evil exes and...
0: (laughs) No. No. I've won already.